I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have as yet discovered. I'm a superhero, my A real life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become the hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Brian Show. It is Friday! Welcome back to... That's right! Welcome back to another glorious week. Superhero-ness and The Real Brian Show. And here to tell us what today's episode is all about, the mighty Chewbacca. That is going to be an awesome episode. Let's rock it! I don't speak Wookiee. You know, you should because uh, what he just said right there is amazing. So it excited. Took that much to say amazing? No, 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 no. I'm saying everything that he said was amazing. Oh. And, and like <laughs> he just told us what the entire episode was going to be about. I'm like so excited. Oh, well, that makes more sense because yeah. it seems to me like Chewbacca can make a bunch of noise uh, or make a small amount of noise to say a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great though. I mean, so are are you excited for all those things? Yes. Awesome. But you don't I'm, speak Wookiee, so you have no excited. idea. Good. Well, I guess you well, know, I have show notes. If you don't speak Wookiee, <laughs> I you just you'll find out what happens. Yeah. Now I will give you this because this is fair in in order to you know basically spoil you. Is that yes? We will spoil you with solo. We're going to talk solo today. So if you've not seen it yet, we'll we'll give you some, you know, warning and heads up when the section comes up. We are going to talk solo and definitely lots of spoilers. Hopefully you've seen it by now. I think a lot of people have. So, yeah, last week had been a week out and people are already talking about, you know, like, oh, my gosh, it was terrible. It wasn't very good or it was meh. That was what I was reading. And then here we are two weeks out from when it released. And, and, you know, I'm hearing now a lot of people loving it. So I'm going, what's the truth? So that's why I went and saw it and, you know, made my own decision like you. All right, so welcome back, Captain Influence. Thank you for having me. It's the two of us today. Just the two of us. Woo! No, um, no. Just two of us. Don't sing, please. I mean, I'm telling myself don't sing. <laughs> I don't care. If you if you want to sing, that's fine. But you don't want me to sing. I won't sing the Will Smith version of that song. How about that? Well, how about the Herbert version? Just the two of us. That's right. I can't do it. It just doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking today? I'm drinking Folgers, and it tastes like heaven, Lord Thunder. Uh, Total, pure, liquid heaven uh, with ca- with a creamer and sugar. But um, I, I'm, I imagine that if you drink it black, it probably tastes like dirty water. <sighs> Some about Folgers with creamer and sugar, man. I don't know what it is. My mouth sings when it touches that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Just the two of us. Oh, my gosh. You know, between you and Lord Thunder are just going to have a nice little war going on here. <laughs> don't need to fight about it. I'm, yeah. My mouth just likes Folgers and it doesn't appreciate real coffee as much as you do or he does. Well, yeah. I like the fake stuff, but okay. I've never had Folgers crystals. Keep that in mind. So I don't know what the crystals are like. In fact, they're not too expensive. I wonder if I should try them sometime just to give you a review of them. I yeah, would I really like to hear it. Yeah. Because I'm a little curious. What are you drinking, Brian? Water with some dirt like you. 
you know what? Today I'm actually drinking a lemon lavender celestial seasonings tea. Something just chill, calm, relaxing. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, it's nice. Citrus and flowers, huh? Citrus and flowers. That's right. <laughs> I love, for some reason, I love the taste of lavender. I mean, real stuff though, taking lavender flowers and actually steeping them in something. I huh. love that flavor. It's very good. And it I is love calming. I love lavender. Yeah, it's nice. And there are actually different types of lavender too. So somebody, somebody might say, well, I hate lavender. Well, you might have smelled one of the lavenders. You might like the other one. Lavender. Interesting. So nice. Take a shot. Yeah. Take a shot of lavender. Take a shot of lavender. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You know what else is just absolutely glorious? Estes Park this time of year. Glorious as in completely overcrowded with tourists. Yeah, no, well, you know, if, if you're out with the tourists, <laughs> yes. If you have, you know, some local benefits, it's, it's nice. It's nice. Oh, to it's just beautiful. Chill. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's just too crowded for me. Yep. I've been there several times, so I, I I'm kind of over Estes park. Well, and it's, I'm not talking about going and touring. I'm talking about going and like staying there and hanging out and doing my thing. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm raining on your parade. I don't want to do that. That's yeah. You know, I like I, rain I'm, though. I'm so extremely happy that you have a good time in Estes park. So but I agree with you. If you were just to go up there and walk around Estes park with all the other, you know, tourists that are there at the same time, I agree. That's not very fun to do over and over and over. But if you're there, you know, you've got a place to stay. You know, you've got a great view of the mountains. You're just chilling. You don't see all the tourists. You just see the wildlife. You see the elk outside, you know, hanging out. That's true. You see all the beautiful weather and mountains and everything. When I I think of Estes Park, I think of two things. The Riverwalk, which is lovely, by the way. And in conjunction with that, the Main Street, which is just completely overcrowded uh, in the summertime. And Rocky Mountain National Park, which is beautiful, but I always equate it with traffic jams because people are always stopping for miles to look at the elk herds. Man, you don't know where to go then. That's a, see, that, I don't. there's the difference because, you know, you like I never take the main drag. There's all kinds of back roads that get you where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And even up at the park, there's a lot of different areas that you can go that don't involve all of the main traffic jams. And I mean, when we go up there, we're never sitting behind traffic. But we That's also good. go at the right times and we know where to go. So it's I, I hear what you're saying. If you're right with everyone else doing the quote, popular stuff. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's not fun. Right. So you got to know it, the, the secrets. Yeah. And then you need to show me those secrets, Brian. Yeah. Oh, it's so nice. I'll expose I'll, me. I'll, I'll expose you to the secrets. Mm-hmm. There's a great coffee shop up there called Kind Coffee. They roast their own. If you can get if you're lucky to get one of the little windows that faces out back you can sit there at the table do your work and you have like you were talking about the river walk you have the uh-huh. whole view of the, of the river right there right in front of you nice. Just while you're doing your work it's peaceful sip on do they espresso. please tell me they serve Folgers uh, I believe, I'm just not interested I believe Starbucks does <laughs> yeah they no, they don't well yeah although there's a big new Starbucks there so you know how there was the Starbucks on the river walk uh-huh. They shut yeah. down that uh, little place and opened this huge new thing oh, right where really? the old KFC Taco Bell was just because it's bigger and everything. I mean, it, it is nicer for parking, but you've lost the charm of the Riverwalk. You can't go out there and sip True. on your Frappuccino while you're you know, enjoying the glorious river. But oh, I'd well. say that's an upgrade from the KFC yeah, Taco Bell. That's true. Well, yeah. Estes Park As- is not a big fan of chains and Safeway and Starbucks are too... Uh, they might they might actually Exceptions. be the two chains or or they're yeah. two of just a couple. Yeah, they're not a big fan of it. They try to keep everything local yeah. as much as possible, which is neat. I like that. That is nice. That's nice. Yeah, it's worth visiting though. I will tell you that. 
You oh, just definitely. Know yeah, what if you've never been there, that's it's you. You should go, especially in the fall when the trees are changing. Yeah, oh, that's true too. You got to be careful though. I, I still see this is the typical when people are running up to elk to take a selfie with them. <laughs> Guys, I mean that's do people really do that. Oh my gosh, I just saw it this last weekend. Wow. And I'm like, seriously. Did they get trampled? Please say they got no, trampled. No, because it's not that. Well, there's there's young right now. I'm a big oh. believer in natural selection, a big believer. Yeah. And anytime I see it happen to people, folks, I'm sorry. This is going to sound bad, but I cheer because people <laughs> won't learn otherwise. They just won't learn otherwise. Well, they might be dead, though. Well, because an elk trampling or goring may or may not survive. <laughs> just be careful. Nope. Oh, my gosh. It's so folks. funny, though. Stay in so your car. Funny. You know what, though? I don't know if this would protect you from from an elk, you know, goring or trampling, but this would protect you from a potential shooting. Do tell. Yeah, I saw this this booth, actually. So first of all, Sarah and I got invited to the Otterbox 20th anniversary employee party a few weeks ago. Really, really great company, by the way. And, you know, I just I love their products and, and I love what they've done, what they stand for. But yep, I have one. Holy cow. They rented out the entire CSU brand new CSU stadium, the entire wow. thing. And put on this really? party. I mean, it was amazing. Are there skyboxes there or was it the field? It was the field and the outdoor area. So what oh, there wow. is, is that um, you have the field, you have the stands, you have like the the common areas, you know, where people come in and they, they serve. There's actually a new Belgian beer garden there. There's all kinds uh-huh. of stuff that's already there. And so there's just places to go. And then if okay. you go up in the main concourse, um, it's all outdoors, but it's covered. That's where the food is, you know, and all the different vendors, right. except they just had CSU catering. I think I haven't seen the new stadium yet. Oh my uh, gosh. It's, it's amazing. It's huge. So I don't know huge. its layout, but they have a full on like suites and skyboxes and you know, okay. all of that stuff as well. But they didn't do that. This was all outside just cause it was a beautiful okay. day. They know how to throw a party. It's amazing. Cool. So really, really good time. But one of the vendors that was there just it's angel armor is what it's called. And they are primarily focused on law law enforcement. So they're primarily policemen, SWAT, that kind of thing. Police people, whatever they're called. I don't even know. Policemen, police (laughs) women, police. How about officers? Officers. The the police. The 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 police. Apparently some of that really truly bulletproof armor, the stuff that's going to stop like a rifle round or, you know, something pretty intense that most typical pistol round. Well, typical pistol round is, is, you know, your Kevlar is fine for that. But if you take a high-powered rifle round, it's probably not going to stop it. So apparently the stuff that does is really heavy, really cumbersome. And so Angel Armor set out to put basically that level of protection on everyday comfort kind of vest. Hmm. Interesting. Still to this day, I'm still trying to figure out the uh, great, you know, you protect your vest, you protect your vital organs. What about your head, though? I mean, I've been trying to figure that one out. But anyway, so one of the things they do for civilians is what they call backpack armor. And so all it is, is literally, um, it's a extremely thin, lightweight folder shaped and, and size too. So like if you take one of those middle manila folders, mm-hmm. um, the size and the shape of that is essentially what this is, except it's a bulletproof sleeve that goes into your backpack and they have so roughly eight and a half by 11 or thereabouts different sizes, depending on the size of your backpack. Yes, they do okay. have an eight and a half by 11 and they have other larger ones. You know, so fill your backpack, however big it is, slide it in there and you're all set. So the point of this is that you slide it into your backpack. It's hidden. It's actually TSA compliant, 100%. So you can carry it onto a plane and everything. Um, oh, neat. And so what the whole point is, is with the school shootings and other things that have gone on, 
they're selling this to people to put into their backpacks so that you can use your backpack as a true shield. If Isn't that clever? It's amazing. And you can literally put it up and protect your vital, like crouch down and put it over you and it will stop bullets. It's so sad that we've come to this, but it that's is. a great it idea. Is. Yeah. You know, go for it. I think they're like a hundred bucks, hundred ish, depending on the size you get. It starts at a hundred. Really? Huh. That's not that expensive to protect your potential life. You know what I mean? Or your and kids' it, lives. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, yeah. And hopefully, you know, none of us will ever have to go through a situation like that, but why not? I'm going to get one. Might as well. Can't hurt. And I mean, it if, is if you have that pretty light. extra cash. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. Check it well, out. It's, it's angelarmor.com. You know, the link in the show notes as well, but definitely something to check out. Speaking of school shootings, there's a story that broke just a day or two ago. Well, that I saw it a day or two ago. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. But <laughs> about a game that Steam, the, the online gaming provider or whatnot, mm-hmm. that 95% of my video games are through Steam. But Steam was about to release a game called in, in June called Active Shooter. Interesting. And it's literally a school shooting simulator. Are you serious? And I, Yeah. And I thought... What idiot wow. at Steam would even think to put this thing on their, on their list in the first place? As soon as people found out about it, they went crazy and petitions were signed and Steam pulled it. They, they said, okay, we're sorry. That was stupid. We're not going to sell this game. Oh and it turns out that it was, it was by some Russian game developer, this, this guy uh, who keeps coming back to Steam and under different aliases or something. And, and they keep having to get rid of him somehow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but I mean, just the, the nerve. I mean, it, it's, it's one thing, the nerve of the guy to make the game, sure. I mean, people are going to be stupid, but someone at Steam should have raised a red flag immediately and never even let it go to pre-order. I mean, that was just really just wow. lowbrow. I'm, wow. I'm surprised it got to that point. <laughs> and I was, I was, when I saw the story before they pulled it, uh, I was worried that there would be such a blowback on this that Steam would somehow be harmed or by this, and then all my video games are going to go away. Yeah. And I know that's selfish yeah. of me, but that was well, where my mind went yeah. after, after I thought, boy, that's really stupid. Why would they sell this game in the first place? Yeah. Oh, crap. What happens if Steam goes away? What about all my games? <laughs> So anyway. I would have been worried about that too, but yeah. I, well, my first thought went to who the crap would even create this game in the first place. But then when you said, oh, it's a guy that they've had trouble with and keeps coming back under different aliases, then it's oh, okay. He's, he's obviously got some issues that he's trying to deal with. And, and this is his way mm-hmm. of um, maybe not so appropriately dealing with them. I'm being nice. I think he's just a, a video game developer troll. He's like, oh, like he's, he's like doing this to screw on, with people. Yeah. So, <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, that was interesting. Let me just talk about this really quickly. This is something I'm just brand new nerding out about is this book called You Are the Placebo by Dr. Joe Dispenza. One of Sarah's former bosses just bought this book for me. Really, really nice. Literally just started this book today. I'm only through the forward. (laughs) I haven't even gotten very far into it. The idea behind this book is, you know, the whole mind slash matter connection. So, Mm what we think we also are kind of thing. So a manifestation. Exactly. It's looking at how you can mentally create your physical future. If that makes sense. Now, granted this, you know, some people might think, woo, that's a, that's a woo woo stuff. And so (laughs) he's looking at this from a very science perspective. So this guy actually, his story was that he was a, a bicyclist, like a racer and he was 23 years old. By the way, if you've ever seen these bicyclists race, they're going fast really fast. Mm -hmm. 
So these guys are cruising along, you know, the police are directing them. Well, some older lady wasn't paying attention, pulls out, hits this guy at 55 miles an hour on his bike mm-hmm. and he shatters his vertebrae. I mean, he's, they've pretty much said you can either do nothing, you know, your spine's going to collapse on you essentially, and you're going to be paralyzed the rest of your life and you may not even survive. Or you can have this surgery which we take out vertebrae, we put in basically rods and stuff like that. You'll be able to walk again, but you'll have disability. You'll have lack of function and you will have chronic pain the rest of your life. Mm, And that's what everybody does is that surgery. So he said, no, Uh, he had this weird moment where he said, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do the surgery. I'm going to go against all medical advice. And I'm going to basically go to a place of, I'm going to mentally create the picture of healing in my, in my brain. And I'm going to kind of tell my body to heal itself. Huh? And and everybody thought that's crazy. It's not going to happen. So he did nine weeks of that. And he basically said for the first four ish weeks. So he's laying face down in bed for, you know, 24 hours a day, nine weeks straight. And pretty much saying that, you know, he's trying to create this mental picture. And of course, uh, and this is all I've read so far. This is just him sharing his story is that it's this idea where, you know, you're thinking I'm going to be healthy, but then you start to focus on the, I don't want to be sick anymore. Like you're focusing on the negative. So it's like, right. I want health versus I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want this pain. You're still focusing on the negative, right? And that's what he was talking about. He just said he kept getting drawn back in to the negatives, to the stress. It's hard. It's oh, an I, instinct. So yeah. I, yeah. I know from experience too. It's like, whoa, you know, and he was saying it took him three to four weeks of working at this three to four hours a day, twice a day of trying to like train his focusing. mind, his brain to focus on positive and on, on, you know, I'm going to do this versus the, I don't want this and, and stop the pain and everything else kind of, you know, focuses. And he said, after that four weeks, he was able to really dive into that healthy mental place. Had he just had peace. And he said, after nine weeks, he literally got up, walked and he's been full recovery, full recovery. And he said 30 years later, he's only had a couple of cases of minor back pain and that's it. That's fantastic. And you think, okay, that doesn't even sound possible. I know. But okay. So then he says, then I went on a research study. That's where I stopped, by the way. And he goes into, you know, basically looking at different cases, different studies, clinical trials and all that, where the whole book is about here are all these people that have gone through these different studies and trials and everything like that to find out, can you create a placebo in your mind to heal your body? Essentially is what the book's about. He also you know, made sure he got sleep, made sure that he was eating healthy. So it's not just mental. Like there's a whole, there's a holistic approach to it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And we talked about that on the show, but I just thought this is going to be interesting because how do you quote summon this mental strength to be determined enough to say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to win and I'm going to succeed and I'm going to heal. That'll be an interesting book to see if he's able to articulate, if the author is able to articulate how, I mean, it's one thing to tell people what you did, but to really describe how you get your mind to focus on that sort of thing, I wonder how he's able to even, you know, like I say, articulate yeah. that. How do, how do you how do you tell how do you relate that to other people in a way that is instructive? Totally. And what's so, what's exciting is that, um, and I don't usually see this in books. This is one of my biggest complaints with most books is they tell you the what and the why, but they never tell you the how. Mm-hmm. And apparently in this book, there's all three sections. I'm excited. I can't, I wanted to skip to it. And I'm like, no, <laughs> let me just get through it. I read through it, you know, start at page one and go from there. So make sure you update us on, on your progress there. In I will. A few weeks. You know, I was talking to determination. This has been an interesting NBA series for me. And this does tie in by the way, 
You know, <laughs> we're we're in the middle of the finals right now. Game four is tonight. It's between, you know, the Warriors and the Cavs again. You know, oh, what which, a thunk. I'm just like, oh, come on. Four years in a row. Like, can we have something different? <laughs> Believe me, everyone else in the NBA is saying the exact same thing. I know. Miss Ice and I even had a little text conversation about this. And so I had to actually take a step back from my emotional uh, feeling and look at the competition at that level. In the middle of the season, the Houston Rockets had the number one record in the entire NBA. I mean, they rocked it, but the reality was is they they were just playing. Yeah, I didn't even. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that was good. Oh, you know, it was just easy for them, right? I think it was. I think it was. And and honestly, I saw a few of their games on and off throughout the season, and they looked like they were in slow motion, and they're just like, "We, it's just a game. Have fun." When you get to this level of competition, you're in the actual Western and Eastern conference finals. People want to win and you're going to pay for it. If you want to win too, right? So you're watching, for example, Cleveland and Boston, and you're watching golden state and Houston go at it. And Boston's like, woo, we're doing great. Everything's great. Well, LeBron James comes in and says, I want to win this and I'm going to make it happen. Determination is the king. He believed that they were going to do it and he went out there and he made it happen. So that goes back to my whole point of saying, is he physically capable? Well, yeah, he's in exceptional shape. Is he mentally capable of manifesting that? Well, obviously he was, and he did. So well, would, would you would you say that LeBron's uh, contribution to so far has been pr- pretty one sided? I mean, is it is he carrying their team, or does he have a lot of good support? Uh, would say he's mostly carrying the team because even even some of the commentators have said that you know he doesn't have quite the team that he had back with uh, Miami for example wow um but at the same there's some more impressive there's some good support there though I mean it's not like he's playing with with incompetent players there are some good people on Cleveland's team but the reality is is and and I, I mean who knows right if they were to take LeBron out of the picture would they have won and partially because he was so determined that it inspired the team to also do their part but you know, you're watching these games and, and you're hearing the commentators. I mean, and I, I, it's so funny. I'll say this. I'll say, man, he's doing it all. You know, the rest of the team's got to pick it up kind of thing. And then the commentators get on. Well, you know, LeBron can't do everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, yeah, yeah, but then they did. Then they actually picked it up and they started to do stuff. Truthfully, I'm getting tired of watching everything be about LeBron. You know, sure. It's getting old for me because I'm not a Cleveland fan. Sorry, Dave Jackson, whether I'm getting tired of hearing about him or not it is admirable to watch him want something so bad that he gets it. And I think that's a really, really good lesson for all of us going back to the determination, the placebo effect. And I think it was the same thing with the warriors, you know, in their final game against the rockets is that they wanted it. They wanted it badly and they went out there and you know, it was interesting. It's so funny watching the second half of that final game seven of the Western conference finals. Houston came out and did really well in the first half. And then they started missing shots big time. In fact, they have a weird strategy, which I totally disagree with now where they shoot threes and it's all about the law of averages. Mm-hmm. And they had missed 27 or 28 three point attempts in a row. Wow. If they would have taken smart two point shots, that's 54 to 56 points that they would have had. Right. So, and and a three point percentage is pretty low compared to a up close shot. Of course, but I'm sitting here watching these guys take stupid shots 
for an entire third quarter and you're going <laughs> why and even eventually marv albert by the way one of the commentators has been around for years you know oh yeah I he's marv albert. one of the most respectfully objective commentators ever he's not opinionated he's very respectful when it comes to that even he said there comes a point when you have to start asking when should we stop shooting those types of shots <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh man, for him to say that means like, dude, this is ridiculous. And the coach Hopefully kept they listen. They didn't. They just kept doing it all the way to the end of the game. And then of uh, course, when you start missing that much, it gets in your head. And then instead of passing to someone who is making the shots, you get stupid and determined because you get angry. And so then you're like, I'm, I'm determined to make a shot, but you keep missing and then you get more angry and then you keep ball hogging. It keeps building up in your head. It's a level of distraction almost. Oh yeah. So another good lesson, by the way, sometimes you got to stop, take a step back and say, I suck today. Time to give it to someone who's good. Let me be a support role. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, Houston never learned it and they lost. And so Golden State took the championship. You know, it's interesting that entire third and fourth quarter, though, Golden State was so calm and collected and just playing smart basketball. You know, and again, I know a lot of people are not fans of a basketball or NBA, and that's totally fine. I'm looking at the lessons that I learned from that one game. Right. And it was a very interesting learning moment. And it goes back to the whole book that I'm reading. So that's kind of what I'm nerding out about is not watching basketball, but it's about this mind over matter thing, because, you know, if you're missing shots, your mind is not in a good spot either. So, right. And I, and I, I know from personal experience that, you know, mind over matter ties in huge with attitude. Yeah. Uh, And you are totally in control of your attitude every day, anytime, even if really, really bad things are happening to you you technically have full control of your attitude. And if you just stop yourself and say, you know, you know, this sucks or this, this is the suck of all sucks, or, you know, this is going bad. I've got all this work piled up on me or whatever, but I'm going to have a productive day. I'm going to have a good day today, you know, just approach it it with a good attitude and you'll be, you'll be blown away how much difference that makes. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I agree. So there you go. Good stuff, man. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to make our very last topic of this episode all about Solo. So there will be no other topic after Solo. We'll just end the episode. So if you've not seen Solo, feel free to discontinue the episode now, uh, but then come back to it after you've seen the movie and then, you know, listen to our commentary. So spoilers ahead. Here we go. Yes. What did you think? I loved it. Um, I, as, as, your listeners may remember I'm pretty pessimistic about Star Wars movies uh, these days just because I'm an old school Star Wars fan. I'm, I'm one of those, why can't they do all the movies like episode five type of person? I was very happy with solo. I thought that the story was fine. I thought the acting was really good. I thought that Donald Glover did the best Lando Calrissian anyone could have done. So good. I thought, what's his name to play Han? <laughs> his name's Alden something, and I don't know how to pronounce his last name. So let's go with Alden. I thought Alden did a really, really good job, almost as good as, as Donald did of doing Han Solo as, as Donald did of doing Lando. Yeah. I thought it was great to see how those two met. It wasn't a perfect movie. There were a couple little things that bugged me, but nothing. it was not enough for me to come away from that movie cringing like mm-hmm. episodes seven and eight did. Yeah. To sum it up for me, and we'll go into detail after this, but to sum it up for me, I thought Solo was at least as good as Rogue One and orders of magnitude better than Episode 7 or 8. Love it, man. Love it. Yeah. 
I also really enjoyed it. I was warned that there were very slow parts in the movie, which I don't usually have a problem with. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't bugged by that or anything like that. I mean, personally, I liked Rogue One more because of how they did it, how they tied a lot together. There were things about Solo that I liked more than Rogue One. And then there were things about Rogue One that I liked more about Solo. But was it better than Episode Eight? Yeah, I think I enjoyed Solo more than I did The Last Jedi, even though there were parts of The Last Jedi that I really enjoyed. I still did like The Force Awakens a lot, but this was interesting. And there were some things in it that I just loved and was blown away by and other things. I was like, yeah, they could have nothing annoyed me. Let's put it that way. Well, Mm -hmm. no, I take that back. There was that's not nothing. Yeah, there there was one thing that annoyed me. Other than that, there were some things that I was like, yeah, the first thing that I just wasn't a big fan of. She didn't. It didn't annoy me, but it just to me, it didn't really add to anything was Amelia Clark's character, Kira. Now, granted, I don't know if this is an acting issue. I don't know if this is a writing issue or a direction issue. I have no idea. But to me, when you compare some of the other characters in the Star Wars movies, you know, you feel depth, you feel emotion, you, you care about the character with Kira. I, I felt like she was very two dimensional. She was kind of unnecessary. I mean, it's OK, cool. It's Hans, you know, love, blah, blah, blah. But I just didn't care about her. You know, it's just whatever. And I don't I know she's in Game of Thrones. I do not watch Game of Thrones, so I don't know a lot about her. But again, I don't know a lot about her. I just felt like her character really didn't go anywhere, didn't have any depth. Well, I would say about that, that it was 100 percent a writing factor, as is pretty typical of Star Wars movies. Um, The writers kind of failed to add an extra five minutes, just five minutes of exposition about her character and what she went through from when Han lost her in the beginning and from when he found her again. He asked her, what happened? What's been happening with you? Let's talk about it. And she's like, what did she say? You don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to yeah, know. You don't want to know. Or and it's like, well, I've done things all you, you had couldn't to do possibly just, imagine. Yeah, exactly. And, and they just, all they had to do was just write in some exposition on what happened to her and it would have fleshed out our characters considerably. Yeah. They never did talk so, about it. Like, you know, I've done things yeah. you couldn't imagine and then they never told us what it was. And I mean, I guess in some ways that's fine. You don't necessarily need to know everything, but you're right. Like you start to see this character in the beginning of the movie and then, you know, she gets taken and Han goes free and you're thinking, oh man, this is terrible. And then she just shows up later and she's different and I don't care. She was a character in the rest of the movie, but she had no depth to her. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I think that the actress is great and she does a really good job in Game of Thrones, in my opinion. Yeah. But again, that's also a huge bit of writing. True. Game of Thrones True. is written really, really well. Yeah. And that's why it's so popular and does so well. Let's look at some of the female characters in Star Wars. So you look at mm-hmm. Leia. Leia has depth. Something- because she's been in so many movies. It doesn't matter. She had depth in the first movie that came out. When I first watched... True. You know, what is now a new hope episode four before anything else had come out. She had depth. That's true that you knew a lot about her in the first few minutes. Yeah, she's so. in she's in the Imperial Senate. She's a princess of Alderaan. Her father is a, a senator, you know, in the Galactic Senate and all, you know, the, oh, then they just destroy her planet. Oh, my gosh. You know, and then you start to feel <laughs> depth of character. She's kind of snotty, you know, and then she and Han kind of get, you know, hit it off in a weird way. I mean, you start to see you feel True. her character is what I'm trying to say. And even at the end, you still feel it. But no, you're right. She doesn't do a lot of development until later in the movies. 
but it's still enough that I care about her character. You look at Ray and I know you didn't like seven and eight, but I actually liked how they developed her in seven. To Mm. me, the force awakens. I liked Ray's character a lot. I mean, there were others that I didn't like as much, but I really did connect with her character because they gave her some backstory. Now that's probably the only character they gave any backstory for in that movie. So yeah, for the most part, yes. Padme was not written well. You know, she had no really no development in uh, Phantom Menace at all. You didn't really see yeah. much of her development until the second movie. And even then it was cheesy. So I, she didn't yeah. get a very good role either. She didn't. Ha- she actually did get depth. And I think everybody just likes Natalie Portman. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it wasn't very good either. I wish they would have done more about her because I want to care about characters like that. But I didn't. Okay, but let's give something good. So you said you already said this, that Donald Glover is as Lando was absolutely phenomenal and that Alden did a great job as Han absolutely. But let's tie this one in with the Kira character. The very end of the movie mall. You know, I thought I thought I got excited when I saw that. And but then I realized that it's the same species as Darth Maul, but and he kind of sounds like Darth Maul, but he looked different. What's because he's older. But Maul died, but he didn't. And so let me explain this because this to me is a very amazing nod to one, the fans and two, the fact that the uh, side shows, which is, is Canon. It's star Wars Canon, but it's expanded, right? So you've got the, the cartoons, star Wars, clone wars and star Wars rebels. Okay. Both of them explained what happened to Maul because everyone's like, Maul's not dead. It was this crazy conspiracy theory. So Obi-Wan sliced him right at his waist. Everyone's like, he's still alive, you know, because the saber would have cauterized his wound and his upper body organs would still be alive and everything, you know, what's interesting is the conspiracy theories out there did make sense. Like, yeah, you're right. It would have cauterized his wound. His organs would still be fine. His legs, you know, okay. So star Wars clone wars, the cartoon, which I finally watched and was very good. um, They did a really, really great job with bringing, they brought Maul back basically. And it was kind of like, wait, Mm -hmm. what? Well, yes, somebody found him. They saved his life and they gave him a pair of droid legs. Huh. And so they had to, you know, it's actually quite a few episodes where they have to like basically bring him back to life. It was very interesting. And then they, they go back to the planet from where he's from to where that species is from. And that's uh, in star Wars rebels where they talk it's, about it's how in they star Wars back? clone wars. Clone Wars. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, the planet and I can't remember the name of the planet now, but the planet that he mentions when he says to Kira, meet me on this planet is his home planet. And oh. that's the planet that he's from. And so they bring him back to life. They retrain him back into shape. He's no longer a Darth. So he's no longer a Sith because Palpatine thought he was dead. So that's when he gets Lord Tyrannus. Dooku. Yeah. yeah. Count Dooku. Sorry. When he gets Count Dooku. He goes off, disappears. You don't see anything else about him. Clone Wars, the the series ends. Rebels comes in. Rebels takes place. I think it starts about five years prior to where Rogue One events take place, right before episode four, two to three years prior, something like that, which would have been actually after this movie solo from a chronological timeline perspective. Okay. So Darth Maul, they find him. He's actually in a Sith temple. The characters from Star Wars Rebels finds him. He's a lot older. He's just posing as this old man who has this walking stick. You find out later that that walking stick is his dual lightsaber. And if you noticed, there was a different modification to his lightsaber. 
than yeah, it was it in like the first some movie. Kind of thing coming off of it, but yeah. it didn't look like a walking stick. Well, no, I'm saying it was a walking stick as a disguise, oh, and then okay. he pulls off the thing and he, you know, wields his lightsaber, and you realize it's his oh. double bladed lightsaber, but it has modifications to it. So that was from Star Wars Rebels is exactly the same design as he shows you in this movie in Solo. And I'm oh, like, yeah, that's yeah. totally Maul. And you, when he stood cool. up, you actually heard droid parts moving when the, oh, with his neat. legs. So I went, it is, it's totally Maul. And, and so anyway, my point being, and that was also Ray Park, by the way, who played the original Maul from, oh, from cool. Phantom Menace. Sam Witwer did the voice because Ray Park's voice is, is a little too high and he's got like a, he talks like this. He's like, he's right up there, you know, and you need this come to this planet, you know? So Sam Witwer did the voice who mm-hmm. also did the voice in star Wars rebels, who also is the main Sith character that you play in the video games force unleashed. And by the way, for you smallville fans, he was Davis bloom slash doomsday. So he's been around and by, I get to meet him actually. Mm-hmm. He's a really cool guy. That was very exciting. It was some fan tribute, but they actually brought in that canon. Now, what's cool about, and I don't know if I should give this away or not, but Solo takes place, I believe, right around the time that Star Wars Rebels is going on, but it's prior. And then there are some events that happen in Rebels that I, I won't I won't mention just because of spoilers in case anybody wants to watch it. Uh, that involved Darth Maul. And so I won't talk about that, but that's after Solo. And then after that moves into, you know, the events of Rogue One and then A New Hope. It is actually all, it all ties together. I loved it so much because if, and I've granted, if you haven't seen Clone Wars and Rebels, you're thinking, what? He died. Like, what the heck? But if you've seen it, you're just like, oh my gosh, they went there. So I, I That's hope interesting. they do something yeah. more with that. We'll see what happens. Take a shot. Negative. To me, some of the movie and the story felt like filler like it didn't it didn't detract it didn't you know bug me in any way but it felt like it just wasn't adding to the story and Mm -hmm. so going back to your exposition of amelia clark's character kira would have been nice for them to remove some of that unnecessary banter and just kind of like whatever's going i don't even know what's going on kind of stuff take that out add some exposition to the characters a little bit more development make us feel them more to me that that would have been a good thing yeah, like even even a little bit more of Lando's backstory or um, something, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't I didn't notice that as much as you, but I can see why you said that. Yeah, uh, the Maw monster to me was like really, I don't know. I mean, yeah, eh. the Maw monster and the the little isolated black hole yeah, <laughs> that was in like, this little uh... this little pocket of the nebula. You know, it's just the way they did the the maelstrom and the Maw. And the monster, it reminded me of, you know, the first Battlestar Galactica season, you know, the, 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 the miniseries back yeah. in 2004, where they were in that space station inside that little confined nebula. And it's just not astronomically, you have to take Star Wars movies with a grain of salt when it comes to astrophysics. But when they do that, when they have this, this localized, extraordinarily localized space storm, then there's a little embedded black hole in the middle of it and the monster gets, you know, sucked into the black. You know, it was just a little contrived in my opinion. Was. That was one of the few things in that movie that made me cringe. Yeah. If they had not done that little localized black hole and monster and just kept it as the maelstrom, I think it would have been perfect. But right. yeah, that to me was like, wow, you just destroyed the moment. And I think, <laughs> I think that's where a lot of the criticism came because a lot of people were saying the Kessel run was built up in people's minds so much based on the mystery that was, you know, and but now I get it at but, the same time, but it would have been amazing if they would have left it as the, the maelstrom, just having him take the shortcut through the maelstrom would have been enough. You're right. Yeah. 
last negative that I have here, Rio. That was the little uh, rocket, the raccoon-like character who's the pilot. And oh, yeah. I'm like, dude, this, it was so lame. So the guy that voiced Rio was surprisingly to me, John Favreau, whom I like. You know, he he plays, what's, what's his name in all the Iron Man movies? He's the guy that drives everybody around. Oh, he directed the first. Yeah, he directs things. I mean, he's a brilliant me? dude. He's a brilliant, brilliant <laughs> dude. I mean, he's. He's I mean, the, when you see him direct something, he's a bad man, he's a bad man, he's a bad man, he's a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> when you see him direct something, you're like, okay, he's awesome. You know, this is going to be a good movie. Um, and he's a great actor, but I thought it was terrible. It was mm. way too Disney reminded me of the whole Peter rabbit movie previews that I saw for that. Um, okay. It felt completely unnatural and it was a completely lame character. And when he's dying, I'm like, I should care and I should feel really bad, but I'm glad he's gone. Like that was you know, so poorly done. I'm like, I hate this character. Thank God he's dead. And I went, oh my gosh, I feel bad now. You know, it's funny. First, first of all, <laughs> first of all, we, we failed to mention how awesome Woody Harrelson was. This movie. We'll, I thought we'll his character was great. Don't forget uh, positive. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. So Woody Harrelson was good too, but Rio's time in the movie was short enough and his dialogue was chuckle worthy enough that I didn't, he did not bug me as much as he bugged you for some reason. Yeah. I can see why he bugged you now that you've said all that, but for some reason he didn't bother me that much. So it it reminded me of a Peter rabbit version of rocket, the raccoon, and he was trying way too hard to be rocket like, and it wasn't funny. And it was just like, it was very rocket like, like, yeah. Oh dude, (laughs) one, it's not original Two, It's not funny. Just stop. Yeah. yeah and then I, I understand. For me to say that, I, I was like, I really hope he doesn't stick around this movie. And then he died. And yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Good. Well, <laughs> uh, so, but then once he was out of the picture, I felt like things became much more Star Wars like again. Hmm. So anyway, but that's my last. I'm sorry. That's like my major negative of the movie. I liked Amelia okay. Clark much better than that. <laughs> yeah. There's, there was really nothing wrong with her. She just wasn't very. She wasn't developed. Enough. Out. Yeah. She was eye candy. I wanted to mention L3, the droid that was Lando's co-pilot. My, I'm going to start out with a bit of a negative, but it ended up being a positive, and here's why. L3 was kind of an annoying, a bit annoying to me. Yeah, the, the character was kind of politicized. She was very loudly for droid rights, and yeah. her, the whole basis for her character was unenslaving droids. Great, good for her, but it, they, they overdid it, in my opinion. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, however... She ends up dying and they end up putting her, downloading her into the Millennium Falcons computer, essentially, to help them navigate the maelstrom. And I found an article that tied that back. I didn't, I did not put two and two together. I found an article on the net that tied, tied in that act, you know, them making her part of the Millennium Falcon with what happened in Empire Strikes Back, where C-3PO is trying to communicate with, with the Falcon's um, hyperdrive. Yeah. And he's saying, sir, I don't know where your ship learned to communicate, but it has the most peculiar <laughs> dialect. Yeah. That's, that and makes so why. much sense now. That was awesome. <laughs> what a great tie-in. I know. What a great tie-in. It never oh, occurred to me. And that, that makes yeah. me appreciate that that much more. I mean, it turned L3 from an annoying character to an awesome character just by that tie-in. Dude, that is so cool yeah. now. Yeah, so she lives on. I'll say this, uh, and I I can't pronounce his name either, but the actor that is now playing Chewie because Peter Peter Mayhew, he's had some health issues, and I'm not sure he can really handle it anymore. And so this new guy whose first name is Junus Hunus, I don't don't know. He's he's got a a foreign name that I'm actually not sure how to pronounce. 
I thought he did a good job. I mean, you know, you can tell oh, it's yeah. not the original Chewie because of the way that Peter Mayhew's legs like work and how he runs and everything. It's very unique. Um, and this new guy just looks like a normal human being kind of thing. No, um, no, but he's got the height that Chewie has. He did a I mean, great it, job. I, I thought, I thought he did a great, I, I thought he was a perfect Chewie. And I, I thought that the, the, the dialogue between Han and Chewie was so star Wars. Oh, it was, it was awesome. so old school star Wars. So awesome. Yeah, it was great. And then like you were saying earlier, yes, Woody Harrelson's character did a great job. I, I enjoyed it. I wish I would have had a little bit more backstory on that, but I still love the whole point where it's like, Hey, if you ever want to find me, you know, come to Tatooine and you know, there's a big time gangster out yeah, there. Yeah, There's a big time gangster starting <laughs> up a thing. Oh, I was like, yes. So that that's was how the movie ends too. They're going yeah. him and him and Chewbacca fly off to find the big time gangster on Tatooine. And that's the end of the movie. Oh, <laughs> okay. So I got to say, you know how, Again, Empire Strikes Back, you know, my ship. Yeah, I want her fair and square. You know, <laughs> that was so well done in this movie. I was yes. very pleasantly surprised how he yes. won the Millennium Falcon. It was so cool. Yeah, now, we won't spoil that part because no. it was clever. But but yeah, that that was also like I said, one one cool thing after another. There were bad parts about the movie, but yeah. there were enough good parts and downright awesome parts that it mainly revolving around the acting of Han, the acting of Lando, dialogue between Han and Chewie. Yeah, the progression just, of just the history. Yeah, just the, the adventure they had with the Millennium Falcon to, yeah. in general, the, all that was done so well that it, that the bad parts didn't ruin the movie for me. Yeah, it was good. Overall, the movie really, really was very enjoyable, very cool, very fun. I, I highly recommend seeing it. Don't listen to a lot of the critiques out there. They're I don't know where they're, what they're smoking or what they're, where they're coming Most, from. Most... Most of the stories I've read have to do with, and, the, and all the media outlets seem to be latching onto this one thing that they're all saying is that Solo bombed, quote unquote, because it only did around $100 million in its first weekend. And it's a Star Wars movie, so it should be doing way better than that. It also came that's, out at the same time as Deadpool 2. That's what makes too. it a bad movie. Deadpool yeah, 2, though. Deadpool, Come on. Yeah, exactly. So I had a big competition there. Yeah more people who go to see it, they're going to all tell their friends, Hey, this is actually a pretty good star Wars movie. You should go see it. Yeah. And I think that it'll end up doing perfectly fine. It'll make a, it'll make Disney plenty more money. And I, I think it's, I think it is out the box a success. That's my opinion. I agree. So, well, and it's funny. Cause like when I first read the reviews, I mean, they basically had said this movie tanked. It sucked. Not worth it. Don't go see it. And then wow. you all went and saw it and people were telling me like, Oh my gosh, it was great. You got to go see it. And I thought, okay, there's a discrepancy here. I'm going to go enjoy it. You know, like we talked about last week, one of the things Podcast Overlord mentioned, we live in a great time where we have so many options that we really get to just go and enjoy what what communicates to us. Yep. And that's a beautiful that's thing. That's true. There's a lot of options out there, and that's great. Yeah, yeah. that there's, always, there's something out there for everybody. Yep. But I think if you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to enjoy it. Somehow Me you're going to enjoy it. So have fun. Go see it. Yeah. Let us know what you think. And that is all we have for today. And thank that you. was good, dude. Thanks a lot. This has been a lot of fun. It's always great. Having oh, you yeah, we had, a, we had a good conversation there. So That's right. thanks for having me. Of course, man. You know what the music means. That's right. Time for a cupcake and a glass of wine. No, no, that. Oh, no. <laughs> That's where Mike turned it off right there. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh. uh. <laughs> but thank you, dude. Thanks for being on realbryanshow.com go there show notes links have a glorious week we are signing off the real brian show is a production of 514 media at 514mediaempire.com